Hey, my friend, welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My name is Lori Seitz. I'm an entrepreneur, mentor, founder of Zen Rabbit, and your guide in moving from fine to fantastic. I love inspiring others to listen to their inner voice and encouraging them to take the steps toward fulfilling their soul. Join me here as we navigate through life transformation, moving from that place where you say everything's fine, it's just fine, but you're really feeling a deep undercurrent of suck. How do you move from there to a renewed sense of yourself? You're in the right place for stories and experiences of self-discovery and courage to help you on your journey. And you'll find each episode has an accompanying meditation. Now let's get into it. My guest today is Deb Coviello, author of CEO's Compass, your guide to getting back on track and host of the Drop-In CEO podcast. Deb and I are chatting about what to do when you no longer fit in where you thought you did, transforming your learning experiences into a platform to help others, and baby-stepping your way into your purpose. Deb says it took her 52 years before she started listening to what other people were saying about her strengths and seeing the signs, the green lights and not the red lights, that allowed her to get pulled into the work that lights her up. Now she can look around and say, oh, this is where I belong, instead of stubbornly sticking in that place where everything is only just fine. When she isn't transforming businesses from within, Deb is a board member of Women in Flavors and Fragrance Commerce, an avid curler with the Cincinnati Curling Club, and a mother of three. She's been married to her husband, Dan, for 32 years and is a resident of Cincinnati, Ohio. Quick reminder, today's episode is sponsored by Zen Rabbit. When you're ready to start living the next 20 years differently than you've lived the last 20, when you want to finally live life by your own rules, stop lying to yourself because, come on, you know the truth, and stop compromising who you really are. And when you want a guide so you can avoid the roadblocks on your way to the clarity and strength to do that, the fuck being fine experience is here for you. I'd love to chat with you about how to find the clarity and courage to do what you know you need to do. Go to zenrabbit.com to learn more or to schedule a complimentary call. Hello and welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My guest today is Deb Coviello. Welcome, Deb. I'm eager to hear what you have to say about your, your story. Well, Lori, just thank you so much for having me. I mean, we've been friends for a while and we have our story. So I am so looking forward to sharing my stories and hopefully it resonates with your audience. So thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Let's get into it right away. The question I always ask, start out asking is what were the beliefs that were instilled in you as a child? And the reason I ask this question is because I want to get some insight into what your foundation was that leads you to make the decisions or make the decisions you've made in the past up to this point. 
Well, thank you for that question. And I've never been asked that question before. So it gave me an opportunity to, to think a little bit. And if we think about, you know, the years that I was starting to make my own decisions or look at others' behaviors and expectations and formulating my own, it was very clear. And I think I'm grateful to my parents for this, that education, it was very important to heads down get the grades, that was more important than anything so that you could get the job, so you could make the money and be independent. And I was that way as well. Because if you didn't, you'd get a tongue lashing. So it was very clear that that was some of the foundational things that kind of set the path for then how did I proceed through high school, college and thereafter. A tongue lashing as in they were angry or they were disappointed? Both. Okay. Both. Because you would feel emotionally disappointing. And then there were times of degradation and not words of encouragement, not like, oh, it's okay. They weren't weak that way because sometimes, oh, I'll just try harder next time. I think early on, it's like, okay, well, how can I improve? How can I meet your expectation? It was one of those things getting feedback, but then not getting guidance. And mm. so that was kind of, I would probably say some of my origin story. Well, then, gosh, darn it, I'm going to muscle through and figure it out. And yes, that builds strength of character and trying to figure out how am I going to get the better grades to get into the right schools to get those opportunities, etc. So again, it could have been generational, tap your foot, get the good grades or else to it would have been nice to have a little bit more guidance. But you know what, along the way, I figured things out and I can help others. So <laughs> a long story. But yeah, that's the truth. So I'm guessing you did not go into theater arts when you got to college. I did not because it wasn't practical and it wouldn't pay the bills. Again, right. I came, you know, my parents, I think were from a generation of I mean, post World War Two, you needed to get certain kinds of work because you needed to be independent and pay the bills. So for me, and again, it was maybe a little bit different for other siblings. It was not encouraged, you had to get the good grades to get the good job, etc. So while I was artistic, and this is a really interesting story as a child, I was very artistic, I arts and crafts, singing musical instruments, I could write, I could draw, they thought I was going into the arts, because I was so good at that. And then something changed along the way, it's hard to put my finger on it. But then I switched over to being a STEM professional. And while I still did okay, in the arts and language and writing, etc. I started uh, getting really good math and science for which then I studied engineering and moved in that direction, but never quite lost the desire for the arts and the creative aspect. Interesting. I want to come back to that. But you okay. mentioned your other siblings, art brothers, sisters, my sister Beth, again, we are from the same parents, but we are slightly different, though it's very interesting. And if she listens to this, we do get along, we jibber jabber about all kinds of things, because I think we're at a place in our lives where we appreciate each other's differences and how we've evolved. But she was perhaps a little bit more artistic and into the dance and music and sports. And for some reason, there was a, a difference in our upbringing. You know, they supported her in those areas, or that's where she was uh, aspiring. And so we we felt like we had different upbringings, different goals and expectations. Again, yes, do well, but support it in different ways. So it was very interesting from a parenting perspective. We learn what to do or what not to do when it comes to my children and the next generation. But it was a little different for me. Truth. It is interesting <laughs> how children can grow up in the same, essentially the same environment with the same parents and be so different, have, have such different outcomes as 
adults. And that's true. Um, so fast forward, my husband and I now we're very different people, but have strong, similar values. We treated the two boys and one girl exactly the same way, same expectations. There was no like, Oh, poor baby, you know, we'll dust you off and be on your way. No, we had hard conversations. There were tears, there were deadlines, there were rules for all three of them. Well, the reason I asked that question about your siblings was because I was curious if you were the only girl and the boys that that it was emphasized to not be fluffy because you were the only girl, but that's not what you just no. said. So never mind. <laughs> we were treated the same way when it came to hard knocks. It, it was a little bit tough, but um, the way they parented felt a little bit different. But again, it is what it is. We've moved on. We're strong for it. We've become productive citizens and can't wait to share more of the story. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you went into the engineering and then you start, you, pursued a career in that direction. And then you got to a point where what happened? I think I was pretty successful, worked really hard, had a very supportive husband. Uh, I started moving up in uh, manufacturing in quality and operational excellence, from being an individual contributor to being a manager to being a vice president of a large corporation. And I will tell you, I had set out, I wanted the big job, I wanted to have large influence, have a lot of responsibility. And I had that role. And worked hard, and then got burnt out. I will say that during the last year before I left that organization, while I did have the dream job, and I grew so much so much as an individual for which I've learned so many lessons and taken them forward, I don't regret anything. But I distinctly remember coming home one night to my husband and saying, something's got to change. I'm tired, I'm burnt out. And I will say, and let's just talk about adult beverages, you can occasionally have a glass of wine or something once a month, once a week. But I will say, even such things like that no longer were able to alleviate the stress of work. Mm. Something wasn't right. And I couldn't put my finger on it. But I did remember saying something has to change. Did you think it was something that was wrong with you? Or did you think it was the environment? Or what did you think? I know you said you didn't really know what it was. But what was what were you feeling in your gut that it was? In my gut at the time, the environment, I couldn't keep up with it. I was mm. still utilizing my same skills and the people around me. But the environment was just I think so overwhelming, I could not, I no longer had the capacity or the answers to manage it. So there was stress and extra hours. But later, <laughs> upon reflection, yes, the environment was challenging. I believe at that time, I didn't necessarily have all the skills necessary to either deal with it, or maybe I had changed, and mm -hmm. I no longer could be in that environment. And I think that was probably the reason why it was no longer a fit. That is really good reflection and insight that you had changed and that, yes. that what had fit before didn't fit any longer. And that's okay. We change. We're allowed to change. And I even, you know, they use the terminology an entrepreneur, somebody that's trying out new things while in uh, a corporate environment. And I was trying out new things like how I was going to lead. We were going to do some fun stuff. We were going to do marketing, you know, in an organization of technical professionals. And I would bring up those ideas and they would say, well, that's nice, but are you going to still get me the results that you're supposed to get? Or it wasn't mentored or coached or nourished or, you know, well, maybe not that idea, but how could we leverage your thoughts in another place? There was no room for thought leadership and innovation, just 
get the results. Let us know what you need to get the results. Very short-sighted, and it wasn't serving me anymore. I got the results, but my heart wasn't in it anymore, and I was probably starting to slide miss deadlines, and not meet expectations. And that's what happened to me as a child. In fifth grade, I no longer was getting above straight A's. I was slipping until they had to change the environment for me to excel again. That's interesting that, that yeah. you saw that, that you see that parallel. Yeah, I, I was a very bright kid, talkative, <laughs> very smart, just like you. And uh, I actually started getting bored. And my parents had put me in, um, you know, gifted and talented and stuff like that. But then it just got to the point where I just wasn't thriving. My grades were sliding. And so they changed the environment and skipped me a grade. Mm. And then I was finally challenged in, in an environment where I had to find new skills in order to get my grades up. Um, and that was a good change for me. Uh, same thing in my corporate life. I was in a situation I just was no longer thriving. And so when I left, I was lost, but now I'm thriving. And there's so much in there. How long did you stay there knowing that this isn't really working for me? I think my period of uneasiness was about six months from about an April to November timeframe. I mean, I'd always worked hard. I worked long hours. I worked to the detriment of the family sometimes, though my husband, God bless him, was very supportive. But then reflecting that I was still putting in the same hours and more hours and didn't feel like I was getting ahead. So I think to your point, I was six months, I was realizing things were not fine. However, they probably were not fine for a longer period of time. I just didn't realize it. Right. Because as we were talking about before we started recording, you just nose to the grindstone, keep doing the things, checking the boxes, not acknowledging or allowing yourself to, to recognize that things were not fine. Yeah. You know, and the other thing is I have to take accountability for that. So I didn't see it. I didn't realize it. Maybe I wasn't open to it, nor were there anybody in my path, advocates, bosses, mentors that would even say, hey, Deb, let's talk. <laughs> Where yeah. do you want to go? What do you need to do? Nobody that asked me those questions to try to open up my mind. And mind you, I don't rely on my boss for my personal development, but it would have been nice along the way to have been asked those questions. And so knowing what was not there to open my mind, to ask the questions, were things fine or not? I coach mentor people now in that same vein and ask them, what excites you? What are your strengths? What would you rather be doing? Where do you see yourself? Just asking yeah. them questions to ask people to just stop and think versus do. And that's what we do is we just do, do, and do. Yeah. So two points here. One, you can't beat yourself up because you did the best you could with the knowledge and the experience you had at the time. And then two, you've now taken that and turned it into something bigger and beneficial for others because now you're you're taking what you didn't have and implementing it how I don't know implementing isn't the right word but passing along that what you wish you would have had to help others in their career and, and it's it's the same thing that you've done. You've had a great career as well. But it's it's a, we get to these place where I've been there. <laughs> I know how you feel, either stuck or overwhelmed. And when we face somebody we just meet at a networking opportunity, or somebody maybe a client, or somebody we're coaching. We see something in those people, great potential, great drive, and we just see this face. We see fatigue. We see anguish. We see uncertainty. We see lack of confidence. But we start asking these questions and poking around, and we see these people that, to your point and for your show, and I love your show, they're fine, but they really aren't. And we, from an outside perspective, start poking around, asking questions, and we see what their true potential is. And then they have to be willing and open to say, 
you know, I would like to try to think about doing something different. Mm-hmm. But it's hard. It's hard to get over that precipice and just have time and space and opportunity to say, okay, I do want to change or I do want to change the environment or I need some help. Yeah. Yeah. And I've often said, sometimes we need somebody else to see that spark or to see that potential or to have the belief in us before we can have it in ourselves. But there's this caveat to that one as well. My husband always said to me, even before I left corporate, he said, oh, Deb, you could be a plant manager. You could be a CEO. And I was like, no, no, no. No, no, I don't want to do that. That's too much responsibility. I don't have the skills. I can't do that. Gosh, golly, I'm now the founder of my own company, the CEO, learning about sales, marketing, budgeting, finance, (laughs) business development, product development, et cetera. And now I'm dropping into other people's organizations and partnering with the CEOs and senior business leaders and help guide them to get back on track, hence the name of my book. So people can give you all the advice in the world. You may have a mentor or advocate. A person has to be ready to hear and receive what they say. And again, no fault of your own, but they, you've got to be ready to hear it. Exactly. When Again, the, when the, the student is ready, the teacher appears. Exactly. <laughs> so how many years? I'm 56 now. I finally, at the age of 52, started listening again and not being so stubborn. But you know, then you get to a point in your life, and I don't know if it's a little spiritual or simply more self-awareness. When you slow down a little bit and you start looking around and people will say, ooh, wow, that was a really great speech or that good webinar you did. Or wow, wow, I really love your writing. And you say, who, me? Uh, Wow, I didn't realize you'd like that or I wrote that well. You just have to take it, get slow down a little bit and listen to what other people are saying to you where you see the green lights and not the red lights. Um, Start listening to those signs because they actually may start pulling you to the work that you should be doing versus being fine. (laughs) I love that. Again, it's to the point of sometimes other people see things in you that you're not able to see yourself. And once they start pointing them out, you start recognizing, oh yeah, that is something I could do. And what another thing you just said is so important is recognizing the little things. Because we often talk about what, what is my purpose or redefining my purpose or refinding my purpose as if there's, you know, it's gonna be a rainbow over in front of your yard saying, here it is at the end of this rainbow is your purpose. And sometimes finding what is important for you to do that may be defined as purpose is only found in taking those small steps one at a time. Absolutely. Because if you think about like, oh, I want to be a professional speaker. Oh, I want to be a a professional coach. Oh, that's a lot of work. Oh, I don't know how to do it. Uh, I tell people, and I used to be a procrastinator when I didn't have a path forward, but I have learned discipline, the engineer in me, you know, set the expectation, set the roadmap, where do you want to get to? And then every day, what are you going to do today? What are you going to do tomorrow, next week, next month, and start moving forward? Because then, then when you look back a month, three months from now, you say, oh, wow, before I wasn't even writing my book, I'm halfway done. You have to break it down to small pieces and just start moving forward, starting with where do you want to go to? What does fantastic look like? (laughs) Exactly. And, And that's why so many people need a coach or someone who can help them, help them keep them accountable and help them set out those steps. So like we do in the Find a Fantastic program in the 12 weeks, we help define, okay, what is what are you doing today? What are you doing next this week? And then what are you doing the week after that? And t- leading along in little steps. And I'm, I'm 
pretty sure that's what you do with your clients as well. And I do. And just know it's an iterative process because even though I have had some great mentors that have said, you know, Deb, you're good at this. And I figured out who, who's my target client. But even now, two and a half years into a new venture, I'm still not quite sure where I'm going. And so I'm actually going to be pulling on two of my mentors and a new person that I just met that really uh, wants to see me succeed. I'm going to be bringing them together and say, okay, guys, I can only see so much of the forest. What do you guys see? You're looking at Deb Coviello here. You hear me speak. You see what I do. What do you see? Because I can only see so much. So even when you think you've arrived and things are doing well, be open to the fact of that you may not still be there and get some external input. So I also, even if I coach others, I am leveraging the wisdom of others to see what I can't see. We have to, we have to. And growth is a constant. Like you never get there. Like wherever there is, there's always another there after that. It's growth or if you're not growing, you're dying. So growth is a constant. But I'll tell you one of the things, and just if I could just go back a little bit to when I went from corporate to um, going into business for myself, you know, I had doubts. Like, oh, what sure. do I know about business? Like, uh, do I know how to market myself? You know, what's the first time I went out to network with somebody over lunch, I couldn't even spit out my 30-second elevator pitch. And I said, <laughs> wow, I'm never going to let that happen again. But the guy was still very kind. And he said, come on in and do a quote for me, and we'll see what we can do. So I got my foot in the door for my first gig. But, you know, the thing that changed for me was, and I find with so many really awesome people, is the belief in themselves. Yeah. When I... um went to start my podcast. Uh, I met this person, Jennifer Spar, who actually interviewed me on a podcast. And I was getting ready to record my first episode. And she says, what's holding you back from pushing the button and doing a solo? I said, it's just me. And I asked people that I mentor, okay, so you don't think you're confident. You don't think you can talk to a senior executive. When did you own that narrative? When did you not believe in yourself? And if they can't even name the time, place, or the person that may have put the doubt in themselves, they actually have to say, you know what? It's me. I created Mm -hmm. the narrative. I owned that doubt. I own that perception that that person is so much higher than me. I can't have a conversation or make a proposal. As soon as I got to that point of when I left corporate and I said, I'm going to go into business for myself, it was that belief, you know, I'm the only one holding myself back and it's only me that can succeed. So many people don't get that and don't mm-hmm. trust themselves. But once you get over that, oh, wow, <laughs> it becomes a roller coaster, but the possibilities become endless versus limitless. So I'm on a roller coaster right now. <laughs> it, that's really what life is. That's been my experience mm-hmm. and the experience of people I've talked to is it's a roller coaster. Hang on. In fact, it's interesting that you just mentioned roller coaster because a few weeks ago, I happened to see on Facebook a video of my Uncle Murray's 90th birthday. And he was doing his a speech on, you know, because it was a uh, crowd of people. He was he was giving a speech because they wanted to hear from him, of course. And what looking back on his 90 years, he used that analogy of life has been a roller coaster. But what I what I, I don't really remember the lows as much as I remember the highs. It's like I just he remembers the good parts. And I think that, yes, life is a roller coaster. But when you get to the end of it, and I'm not saying he's at, but when you get to be 90, let's say, and you look back, the things you remember are the high points. The low points you may remember, but they're not they're not what really stick in your mind. It's the higher points. Yeah. I mean, I've had low points. We all have. It's what life is. Um, 
for me, they're still impactful, but I've not let them define me. It's taken a while. It's not, it's taken a while to not let them define me, to put them in a box and say, okay, yes, that was an unfortunate event. But again, taking the high road, what did I learn from that? What can I control and move forward with? And what I do find as I get a little older and a little grayer is um, valuing things like what brings you peace of mind. Like just seeing, again, if you happen to have a niece or nephew or a child, and when you see them step on a college campus and say, I got this, okay, that's peace of mind. You'll still worry about the people in your life. But when you see those highs, the top of the roller coaster that, okay, we're going to go down the other side, but it's going to be a little bit more fun and joyful versus scary (laughs) the first time you do go down on a roller coaster. So you get a little wiser and... um, you're more real and, and, and I guess just take life, you know, life a little bit less serious. <laughs> yeah. I like what you said about not letting the lows define you. And that's hard. My it God, is. again, God bless my husband. He's had to work with me a lot. He asked me a question the other day, cause I was actually bothered by what somebody said or did to me. And I said, why do you, why do they matter? And when they asked me that question, why do they matter? Then I had to ask myself, well, no, they don't. They happen to be, I don't know, this person in my life, but I'm not going to let what they say take power from me. I own how I feel. As soon as he just kind of like jolted me with that mm-hmm. uh, that statement, it was like, okay, they are what they are, and I'm just not going to let them bother me. They don't matter so much. Yeah, it takes that moment of clarity or that um, awareness or somebody asking you the question to make you aware, to make you uh, evaluate is what I was trying to say, make you evaluate that that situation. But I'll tell you right now, again, even today, I was having a little bit of a low only because there's so much going on in my life. But then when we pause and reflect, like, okay, it's good you've got a lot going on right now. If you didn't, something would be wrong. So then I say, okay, Deb, you know, things are fine. But I do have to say things are really, really, really fine right now because now I've crossed over. I'm in my own business. I am doing what I want for me and for clients that I want to work with. Just today, I spoke to somebody who was referred to me and they want me to speak at one of their events. And so it's like, okay, I have arrived. I'm f- People are starting to see me, to know me and say, we want you to speak with our group um, because I have something that they might want to hear. Okay. (laughs) So uh, I'm really in a great place. And to your point in the work that you're doing, I do feel fantastic. Maybe a little bit less fantastic one day, a little more another day. I'm kind of in between today, but you know what? I'm doing really well. Really fantastic. That's amazing. And that's life. That's that, that, like, again, those highs and lows, but you're on this upward trend. As long as it's trending upward, then you, yeah, you feel amazing. Yeah, ups and downs going up. <laughs> and you're seeing you're seeing the payoff from the work that you've done to get to this point. True. And for people that haven't seen me in a couple years, they look at me and they see me and they say, "We can't believe how much you've changed." But I might challenge that. And again, I'm, I'm thrilled when people say, "Oh my god, I mm-hmm. see you. You look great. You you sound great. All of that." But I'm saying to myself, "Maybe I didn't change, but I became the person that I was or meant to be." <gasps> yes. I'm wondering if I was somebody, this person who was very talkative as a child, very creative, loved to write, loved to speak, loved to share (laughs) and act and sing and all of that. And then it was not able to do that over the years. But now I'm becoming the person that I really love being. And 
I think people like me <laughs> more for yeah. it because I'm happier because of it. Right. Because you're being your authentic self and that feels better and people feel that energy and then want to be around that kind of energy. I love that. What, before we close out, what song, so speaking of being in good energy, what song do you love to listen to that gets you hyped up when you need a, an extra boost or you're already feeling good and you, you want to revel in that? I appreciate you asking that. And I had to write it down because I never remember the artist's last name, but there's an artist, uh, Viger Margeson, and he writes um, a, a song, Road to Victory. And okay. it's epic music. So it just starts very low, very intentional, and then crescendos because you feel like you're walking up a hill about ready to go either into battle or to get on a stage. It is very, very uplifting. And every time I hear the song, I get a little sorrowful, a little sad, a little, a little tearful, maybe joyful, but it really, really propels me to say, just keep going, Deb. Just keep going. Road to Victory by Viger Margeson. An amazing song. really motivates me. I love it. We're going to put a link in the show notes to that. And before we go, what? how can people get in touch with you if they want to hear more about what you're doing? So just, Lori, thank you so much for having a conversation with you and your audience. I'm grateful for it and our friendship. Uh, there's a couple places that you can find me. If you go to my website, dropinceo.com, that's D-R-O-P-I-N-C-E-O.com. And on my cover page, you'll get an idea of what I'm about. I have a video. I'm also launching a book, The CEO's Compass, Your Guide to Get Back on Track. There's a link there to get on the uh, wait list for that. My Playground is LinkedIn. So Deborah A. Coviello, or look up the drop-in CEO. I play a lot on LinkedIn, share videos, blog posts, and engage with a lot of people. So those are the best places to find me. But drop-in CEO, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Clubhouse, I'm all over the place. Yeah. Okay, great. And we'll have links to that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for joining me this week on Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Thank you so much, Lori. It's been my pleasure. I've pulled out so many fabulous takeaways from this conversation and then narrowed them down to these five. Here we go. Number one, it's possible you aren't fitting in where you are because your environment is no longer or never was a good fit. And when you've reached the point where you're not willing to accept it anymore, you are allowed to change. Number two, you can't beat yourself up over past decisions or actions because you did the best you could with the knowledge and experience you had at the time. Give yourself grace as you move forward now. In fact, you can take those learning experiences, those difficult times, and use them as a basis for helping others. Number three, mentors, advocates, and coaches can give you all the advice in the world but you have to be ready to hear and receive what they say. It's only when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Number four, we often talk about the question of what is my purpose or redefining my purpose or finding my purpose as if it's going to be a rainbow in front of your yard saying, here it is at the end of this rainbow is your purpose. More often, Finding what is important for you to do, the thing that may be defined as purpose, is only found in taking those small steps one at a time. 
Number five, create a roadmap of where you want to go. And then every day, what are you going to do today? What are you going to do tomorrow, next week, next month, and start moving forward? You have to break it down to small pieces because then when you look back a month, three months from now, you say, oh, wow, look how far I've come. This is how this podcast came to be through the same process. And it's exactly what I do with my clients in the Fuck Being Fine experience. Be on the lookout for Deb's upcoming book, The CEO's Compass, your guide to getting back on track. You can get on the wait list for that at her website, dropinceo.com. Thanks for being here and subscribing to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Please share this show with a friend. If you're feeling especially generous, leave a review so other women like you can discover the show too. It's on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and all the major podcast directories. And I'd love to hear what's happening in your world. Join me on social. On Instagram, it's zen underscore rabbit. You can find links to the other platforms at zenrabbit.com. Before you go, remember to take a moment to think about what you're grateful for today. And lastly, you can find this week's meditation queued up right after this episode. Or maybe it's just before, depending on where you're listening. Look for it. You'll find it because you always find exactly what you're looking for. Remember that.